loud music. <laughs> All right. Hello, everyone. It is Tuesday, September 28th, 2021, and it is time for another episode of Slow Your Roll. Another Tuesday episode. They're happening more and more often. The busier we are getting. Uh, but this week, a big week, we're talking NFL. What happened in NFL this week? We're talking about the wild card races, specifically the Red Sox. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit Urban Meyer. We have something we wanted to talk about for a little while. Uh, and the usual Tom Brady updates, the usual Darwin Award, amongst a little more. We're going to rank our best and worst teams this week. But, Dom, I'm going to let you take it away on your opening rant. Yeah, thank you, Jesse. And yeah, we have been uh, we've been doing more Tuesday episodes as of late. We were seeing one of those playoff races in person, although the Reds have kind of fallen out of it quite a bit. But over at Great American Ballpark, oh, amazing game we got to watch. Castellanos a walk off home run. Great week. It's a great week. But yes, thank you, Jesse. And this is something I've wanted to talk about for a little bit now. But I needed to wait for the right time for everything to finish up with the season. You know, in this opening segment, a lot of time we take the time to rip bad organizations or players or anything like that, I'm going to take this time to congratulate an organization. Take this time to congratulate the front office and the GM, Alex Anthopoulos, of the Atlanta Braves. Because the Atlanta Braves were in the midst of what might be a nightmare, total horrible season, a throwaway season, and they were aggressive and they went for it. And now they find themselves two and a half games in first place, about to have a big three-game series against the Philadelphia Phillies starting today, which are the team that trails them by two and a half. And if they take care of business, they might have punched their ticket into the playoffs for what could have been a lost season. So kudos out there to the Atlanta Braves and Alex Anthopoulos and that GM. Before we even get into it more, I want to talk about a word that we have talked about on this show before in sports, and that is the word aggressive. Be aggressive in life and in sports. Be, be aggressive. <laughs> Thank you, Jesse. I don't understand why this word has such a negative connotation all the time. People only attribute it to, like, you know, the bad things about being aggressive. I know why. Yes, I know. But aggressive wins. Aggressive is winning in life. It is winning in sports even more than ever before now. The Rams... We're good enough to win the division sometimes. We're winning nine, ten-plus games. We're one of the better teams in the NFC. Jared Goff has some limitations, but we're winning. Nope. They decide not good enough. Trade the draft picks. Swallow the money you have to pay Jared Goff. Huge cap hit. Doesn't matter. Go get Matt Stafford. Do you think the Rams are regretting that today? Hell no. The Dodgers. We're getting to the World Series. We're the best team in the National League every year. Nope. Not good enough. Go get Mookie Betts win a World Series. It's winning all the time in sports. Be aggressive, guys. Be aggressive in life. Be aggressive in sports. Don't care. Forget what your gender studies professor says about how you should act. And don't care about what the hippie chick on your college campus with blue hair says about how you should act and how you should never be aggressive and let the world happen. It doesn't matter how hot she is. Don't listen. Be aggressive. You want something to happen. You want something good to happen. You take the aggressive action. That is exactly what the Atlanta Braves did. Jesse, on July 26th, the Atlanta Braves, for what was such a promising year, were 49-52. and 52. This is July 26th. This is just days before the trading deadline. 
49 and six and 52, six games out of first place. Jesse, if I told you a team was going to lose their entire starting outfield, including their best player, young up-and-coming star who was actually one of the best players in their entire sport, Ronald Acuna tears his ACL. Marcelo Zuna, the huge free agent signing, has a domestic violence issue and now is gone for the year as well. Ender Enciarte was on a huge part, but still, that's another outfielder. The entire starting outfielder, starting entire starting outfield for the Braves, gone. Your young stud ace, Mike Soroka, is going to re-tear his Achilles tendon and not throw a single inning for you. Your big acquisition in the pitching, Charlie Morton, he's going to be terrible for the first two months. Your other up-and-young-coming starting pitcher, Max Freed, who had a great season last year, he's going to be terrible for, for the first two months. And the one surprise, Wasker Yanoa, another young kid, who's going to be amazing to start the season through his first eight starts. He's going to have one bad start, freak out, punch a wall, break his hand, and be out for three months. On top of that, your reigning MVP candidate, Freddie Freeman, is going to also be terrible for the first month and a half, two months, and so is Ozzie Albies. If I were going to tell you that all these things were going to go wrong for your team, Jesse, would you think that they were going to be a playoff team? Dom, I thought they should have thrown in the towel after Ronald Acuna went down with the ACL. Exactly. Despite all of this, the Atlanta Braves have found themselves now in the position to make the playoffs and win their division because they were aggressive. Alex Anthopoulos and this general managership group went out despite everything that had been wrong. And to top it all off, this beautiful new par park, the ballpark, SunTrust Park, which I was at this year. Shout out to that. Beautiful park. One of my favorite parks I've seen so far. Was supposed to have the all-star game and baseball decided to play some politics and they lost that too. So this had all the makings of a complete nightmare of a season, one that you just write off. But that ownership group, that front office, Anthopolis, sat there July 26th, six games out of first place, 49 and 52. And they looked around and they said, no, no. When we look at this roster and we look at the division, we look at weakness. That's what we see. We see a Phillies team that is average. We see a Mets team that is fool's gold. And we're not just going to write this season off. We are going to go for it. And go for it. They did. They retooled the entire outfield. They brought in Jock Peterson. Then they went out and get Adam Duvall, who was having a great season for the Marlins. He had played in Atlanta before, too. Bring him in to go with Austin Riley, Freddie Freeman, and Albies in the middle of the order. Bring in Jorge Soler, a guy who was having a terrible year in Kansas City. But you can bring him in on the cheap and hope that he has a turnaround. He's been fair so far. And then they bring in the always consistent Eddie Rosario as well to completely retool the outfield, and they find themselves on the verge of making the playoffs. Like I said, being aggressive. Aggressive wins all the time in sports. And kudos to that ownership and kudos to Alex Anthopoulos. It would have been so easy for them to just throw in the towel and write off this season, but they refused. They realized, they looked at the situation, and they said, it's a long season, and we don't believe and the other teams in our division. And they shouldn't have believed in those teams because those teams weren't that good either. But I thought this team was done. But they went out and, and they, they, they managed it. They salvaged this whole year. And it's great for the fans. And it's great for the city of Atlanta. And I don't know how long it's going to go. I don't know if they're even going to finish off the job. But at least they've put themselves in the position where 
They can have a few bounces get their way, and they can have a deep playoff run, potentially. And this is the kind of thing that was driving me crazy about the Red Sox, too. Not being aggressive and going for it. So, Jesse, I'm going to turn it over to you real quick here on this. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I wrote them off. I thought they should throw in the towel uh, after... Acuna went down with the injury. At that point, you had already lost Marcelo Zuna to being a bad man. Um, they started off much worse than we expected. They were not a good team really out the gate. Everyone was seemed to be cold except Ronald Acuna, and then you lose your best player. People thought who could be an MVP candidate down the line. That can I mean that can just destroy a team's culture for a year. You lose a guy like that. Um, so I would. I would not have blamed them at all, uh, and I expected them to throw in the towel and say, hey, next year we can go for it, because they were expected to take a step, and they attempted to take some steps with the, chining, the signing of like Dr. Charlie Morton, mm-hmm. um, a guy who has turned it on. Pitching tonight, by the way, Zach yes. Wheeler, look for that game. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a good pitching matchup. Um, but yeah, I mean, I definitely, mm-hmm. I applaud them. This was unexpected and I when they went for Jock Peterson I was like what are you doing like this is not your time but oh they said maybe it is now I still think in the playoffs you're probably gonna lose to the Dodgers but I you know what I expect if you don't get to the ALC championship game at this point I that that's kind of a failure Um, you you really and you really have turned it on down the stretch here. Everyone is with the bat is hot. You have one of the best infields in baseball, both offensively and defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jock Peterson really helped retool that outfield with the the losses. Yeah, obviously it's not a Ronald Acuna Jr., but it's something. No. Um, yeah, the pitching has turned it on. I mean, this yeah, I give it to the Braves. Congratulations mm. to you. Yes, absolutely. And you know, it's so great for that ownership. The ability to do that, the ability to realize no matter how bad things are, no matter how easy it would be to just write this season off, that they still have the pieces there to go for it. And it, it takes a lot there. And you look at the team and they said, no, we still got Freeman, we still got Ozzie Albies, we still have Austin Riley, Max Fried is going to pitch better, he already is pitching better, Morton was starting to turn it on at least in July, and they said, we are better than everybody else in our division, it doesn't matter everything that has happened, if the players are out there... If the deals can be made, we are going to make them. And they did it. And that's the thing that is making me so mad about the Boston Red Sox and what they did in their, you know, trade deadline (laughs) stuff. Be aggressive. You pick decisive action and you go for it. You don't wishy-wash here and there and just hope for things to go the way you hope. If you know the direction you want to be and you see the opportunity there, you don't... You don't just stick your foot through the door, all right? And just hope to pry it open. You kick that door down. You kick it off its hinges. And that's exactly what the Braves did, bringing an entire new outfield and has paid dividends so far. And as I said, they start that huge series with the Phillies now. I'm going to be glued to my TV watching and rooting for the Atlanta Braves because I am a fan of what that ownership has done. I'm a fan of what Alex Anthopoulos did. So, kudos. <laughs> kudos to the Atlanta Braves and that was our opening segment I'm going to turn it over to you Jesse now for some rapid fire news rapid fire news alright first I'm going to talk Patriots put the Patriots on that we're all Patriots fans around here Mm -hmm. Uh, they laid an egg on Sunday 28-13 loss we're going to discuss that in a little bit 
Uh, but your division rivals, the Bills. Oh boy, did they put a pounding on the Washington football team. A 43-21 trouncing of the football team. Not good if you're looking for the d- division, Patriots. And mm, oh, it no. seems the Bills are exactly who we thought they would be. We're going to talk about them a little bit also later. Uh, the Jets. Oh, the Jets continue to jet. 26 nothing defeat to the hands of the Broncos. Oh, boy. it's may- It might be even worse than we thought with the Jets. Uh, and actually, Dolphins, an interesting storyline with them this week. They didn't have Tua. Jacoby Brissett looked pretty good, even. Uh, but they still took an L in overtime, 31-28 to the Dolphins. Uh, the Packers, a team we like to talk about. 30-28 victory in Sunday Night Football. Maybe Aaron Rodgers does want to play. Uh, and everyone's favorite or least favorite team, the Cowboys beat up the Eagles 41-21 on Monday Night Football. But hey, let's talk a little baseball. Mm. The past week, the Red Sox came in hot. They beat two. They, they won two against the Mets, which continued. They pushed through a seven-game winning streak. Big series this weekend against the Yankees. Oh, my goodness. We're all excited. You got swept three straight games. It didn't look good. And, oh, man, now you are a game, behi- a game behind the Yankees. Toronto's a game behind you. The Mariners a game and a half behind you. So, mm, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> and also, in the National League, the St. Louis Cardinals continue to win. 16 straight. Uh, five and a half against Cincinnati. A team that's still alive, though. A team we saw on Friday night. 6-5. Castellanos walk-off. Great game to watch. Uh, but they almost have wrapped up the wild card Mm. and that has been rapid fire news rapid fire news and with ending with baseball we are get right back in the baseball right now uh the playoff race mostly the american league one because that's the one that's really close now st louis winning 16 in a row has really put distance between them and everybody else um but we'll start with the yankees red sox series uh red sox you said it wasn't surprising yeah, I so wasn't was shocked in the same way that I should have been. Did would I be shocked if they lost two of three? Not at all. Was I shocked they got swept? I was definitely shocked that they got swept. Um, but this this is what this is what the Red Sox have been in the second half. And I don't want to hear it. I was starting to hear it over the past week or two from people in my life and then also media too, who are being like, "No, you got to give their ownership credit. You got to give." Bloom credit. Their their trade deadline acquisitions are working now. They worked against the Baltimore Orioles and the New York Mets. Consistently, the Red Sox have beaten the bad teams here in the second half, and every time they face a playoff contender or, yeah, basically a playoff contender or a good team, they shrink because they're not that good, and they didn't add enough to continue to play well. I don't care that Hansel Robles is working now. There's a reason he's pitching in the lower leverage situations. I think the pit, the the inning he pitched this week against the Yankees, I think it was the sixth inning, seventh. Inning. It's not like it's not like they brought in this guy and he's closing down games or putting out fires in the eighth inning. Austin Davies, another one, role player, done a ton of innings so far, and Schwarber is the only one. Schwarber has totally worked. Absolutely, I'll give Bloom some credit. Does it make their already atrocious defense still bad? Yeah, it does. Do I think that's a problem? Yeah, I do. But Schwarber has really worked. But I don't want to hear this about, we have to give Bloom so much credit now. Why? Because we're beating the Orioles and the Mets? Get out of here with that. 
every consistently every time in the second half they've played a good team they're coming out on the losing end of the series of these series I think they lost two or three uh, to the Rays they lost two or three to Toronto they just got swept by the Yankees so yeah I'm, I'm not giving Bloom a ton of credit here on this and I think they're in a great position because they get to play Baltimore again now Shout out to the Orioles. They have gotten the Orioles on three separate occasions, by the way, in the second half at the perfect time. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. The third time in the second half that they've got them really when they needed them. And they're getting them again now after getting swept by the Yankees. Then they get the Nationals after that. Yankees have to play the Blue Jays. Yankees have to play the Rays. Toronto gets Baltimore, but Toronto has to play New York now. Big, big series going on right now in the National League and American League between Toronto and New York um, starting today for a three-game set and then also starting today, Atlanta and the Philadelphia Phillies, which could decide the NL East division. So two huge playoff series down the stretch here. So, But I don't want to give Bloom a ton of credit for that. Even if they still make the playoffs, I don't want to hear it. No, and I mean, this was... I mean, the second half, post-trade down post-trade deadline is really what more have we expected from this team coming into the season. This was a nice gift. This is nice. Um, but, I mean, I don't, and I especially don't, I expect you to make the playoffs just based on the matchups. Like, you know, you're playing the Nationals and the Orioles. Like, come on, you got to win those games, and that's going to put you, and you're still, destiny is in your hands to at least make the wild card game. Yes. Um, and you uh, have the two teams you're competing with most battling it out right, right now. Um, so, like, you have – you're in a good position. But I still don't expect you to do anything with it. Let's assume you win that wild card game. You got Tampa. You're not beating Tampa. Like, this is – I've really been a disappointing second half because you were on halfway through the season, the actual halfway point after 81 games. You are on a 102 win pace. Mm-hmm. Now, here we are um, in the second wild card spot. Like, this is – Disappointing to say the least, and I I don't see it getting any better. Other than you know, maybe we'll get that high from winning two series in a row right before the playoffs. But like, you're playing the Yankees in Toronto, and they have your number right now. Toronto's had your number the entire year, but the Yankees have your number right now. Mm, absolutely, and, and I just don't see a, a deep playoff run in the mix here, and that's okay. I didn't expect them to go that deep in the playoffs. My issue is just one they did. I just hated what they did at the deadline. But the other thing is, I just don't want to give Bloom credit now, like everybody else does, just no, because I, I didn't even y'all care won a bunch. Because well, you that. won a bunch of games against bad teams. I don't want to hear it. Even still, like I just, I just, this team has showed that it has no balls. It has no spine. It can't get punched in the face and come back. No, because like they, you could have, you had an opportunity to win two out of three games. You were winning going into the late innings of that second game. Mm. Uh, you were winning. Um, Going go and going into the later innings of that third game. Now there was some bad calls against you, but if you can make a big pitch, you can make a second one. So I don't care what happens. Yeah. You still had an opportunity to get an out despite a bad call, and you didn't do it. You blew it. And this team has shown like when they get hit like that, they are not going to hit you back. Mm. They're going to sit in the dirt and hope that the next fight is against a weaker opponent. Mm. That's how it's definitely how it's felt in the second half. And the other thing with this team is just like with Schwarber here, the unbalance a little bit also too. I mean, you can't. You need to have Dahlback the way he's hitting in the lineup, and you need to have Schwarber's bat. And obviously, no one takes JD's bat out of the lineup. But that means our outfield is going to be Schwarber, Verdugo, and Renfro. Doesn't that take your leadoff hitter out of the lineup? Then where's Kike going to play? I guess second base. Second. Yeah. 
You would think. Yeah, but he's played a lot of outfield this year. He has played a lot of outfield, but do you want do you want the bottom of the order to be Iglesias and Ploiecki too? Honestly, Ploiecki is kind of hit better. I mean, he's got <laughs> he much more limited at bats, but he's had a better he, season. I mean, he's hit best. better, but like you got to have Schwarber and Dahlbeck in the lineup and Renfro. So, I mean, I guess the outfield could be Schwarber. No, because Verdugo didn't play yesterday. No, that's exactly what it has to be. Yeah, Kike's going to have to play second. Hmm. And he, I mean, he can, but like... Yeah. If you want Bobby D in the lineup, that's what it's going to have to be. that means Kike just might be limited in your lineup because he's he's played almost every day, but he's never played... He's never been in a consistent position, which, you know, he's a, he's a utility guy. You don't expect him to be. But, mm. like, I kind of would want Kike in my lineup. He's, he's, he's shown to be a pretty good leadoff hitter. Mm. A little bit des- des- to be desired, but, like, I think like, his average for leading off the game is over 300. Yeah, that's true. That is true. But, I, I mean, geez, this de- I think this defense is really going to come back to bite them at some point in the playoffs. We see that happen all the time. Um, where just the little things matter so much in the playoffs like that because you can't give these teams extra outs. This bullpen isn't good either. It's no, given up so not great. many games in the second half. Yeah, this bullpen's not great either. Um, and a lot of it is because they've had to log so many innings as well. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, guys like Ottavino and Matt Barnes are kind of falling apart down the stretch. Yeah, they really are. They've had to eat so many innings, um, all of them. Because they are always getting the tough innings. Yeah, yeah exactly. But boy, I really hope Toronto's the team. Because I don't want to lose to the Yankees. Yup. Uh, that, that will ruin the whole season for me. If we lose a one-game playoff to the Yankees. Yeah. Because like, I don't, uh, don't want to hear it. Oh, the... I'll be so sad. God. All right. All right. From that... Well, we can move on. No, we can move on. Okay. It, as we said, listen, this is going to continue. It, it, yeah. was a rough, it was a rough week in Boston sports. Yeah. As uh, Jesse... I'm going to let you, I'm gonna yeah. let you start the, this right. one. I'll take the reins. So, Patriots. Saints... Oh, boy, it didn't go well. Alvin Kamara slashed this defense, walked all over him. He could have walked all over him the way he was running. Uh, you know, Jameis Winston, you know, he wasn't a lot of Jameis Winston, but he they gave him too many opportunities. The defense didn't step up. Kept him in the game. Wasn't quite a blowout. Kept him under 30 points. But the, the offense was not good. No. This running game is limping along without Trent Brown. Uh, your best receiver was Kendrick Bourne. Sure, nice to see him contribute. However, you know, when Kendrick Bourne is your best wide receiver, that's not the best thing in the world. Um, Mac Jones threw 51 times. You never want your quarterback to throw 50 times. I don't care who he is. If you're throwing 50 times, that means you're probably behind or your run game is ab- terrible. Yeah. Um, and it just it wasn't a good performance. They laid an egg on the field. Um, I kind of saw this coming. I didn't know it would go quite like that, but I kind of saw this coming after the Saints' Week 1 performance. Mm -hmm. I pulled it back a little bit after the Week 2 performance. But I... uh, There's reason to be concerned if you're a Patriots fan after seeing that. But I know, Dom, your message is don't freak out. Yes. So, Dom, what do you have to say for yourself? Okay. Well, listen, I'm going to start with this. Historically, September has been... Bill Belichick's worst month. Pats fans, you guys are hilarious. You make me laugh all the time. Week one, it's, we're, we're, I just put money on New England. Oh, why are you doing that? They're playing the Dolphins. They're playing Brad, Brian Flores. It's a good defense. It's a real team. Mac Jones has never played an NFL game. What are you doing? And then, all of a sudden, this many weeks later, I've seen it all over social media and stuff. People just be like, the 
Pats aren't a very good team right now. Slow down. Everybody calm down. No, I'll say it later. Calm down, okay? I'll say this. To me, that game kind of felt like Mac Jones's real first NFL experience. All the other games, they played, you, you made the joke, they played a college team in one of them, in the Jets. All the other games, Josh McDaniels, Bill Belichick, and all the coaching staff, they were able to manage the game and make things as easy as possible for Mac Jones. The running game was working. They weren't really trailing a ton. The defense was doing its job, and they could have all the outlets there for Mac Jones all the time. He was barely having to throw the ball down the field at all. This was his first real experience, real NFL experience, real-life NFL experience, something he didn't have a ton in Alabama because they were always leading, wide receivers were always open, and the protection was always awesome. This game, he had to throw the ball 50-plus times. They were behind. The run game was non-existent. And they said, Mac... Mac Jones was your leading rusher. Mac, we can't just manage this one for you. We're going to have to throw the ball down the field a bit. And he struggled. Three interceptions. Struggled mightily. Now, I wasn't the biggest Mac Jones fan. I didn't love the pick. I at least liked they didn't trade up to get Mac. But I'm not going to bail on Mac or say an I told you so just for this game. It's growing pains. And like I said, that was Mac Jones, I feel like, his first real NFL experience. And it was a struggle. And Pats fans, it's been a while since we've been in a situation like this. So you're going to have to get used to it. But let's calm down on saying that the team is bad just because they haven't played well in September. Like I said, historically, Bill Belichick's worst month and Mac Jones really just now had his first real-life NFL experience of what life is like on a week-to-week basis all the time in the NFL, where everything is not always perfect. You don't always have to have a run. You don't always have a run game. And it became Mac. You're going to have to throw the ball on second and nine sometimes. Well, they also lost James White. They did. They lost his binky and James White as well. But it it was the biggest thing is, Mac, it's not second and three, second and four that you're throwing on. It's not third and two that you're throwing on. It's second and nine. It's second and ten. It's third and eight. It's third and seven. And the defense knows you have to throw. That's the difference. That's the difference that a lot of quarterbacks, too, in the NFL, by the way. Something I get on Baker a little bit too it's very different when they know he has to throw and that's what Mac experienced and it was rough and it's going to happen but it's going to get better and I'm not ready to bail on this just because just because Mac the rookie wasn't good in that one game now be prepared it's going to be ugly this week against Tampa Bay Tampa's motivated Tampa lost their last game and Tampa outguns them and everything but even as ugly as that's going to be Everyone do not bail and just say that this is a bad team. The schedule's not crazy hard, and everything will be okay. September is Bill Belichick's worst month. Offenses are always more dominant, too, early in the year, before defenses have had a time to look at more tape and before the weather becomes a factor. Pats fans, slow Ah. your roll. Don't give it up just yet. It's going to be okay. There's also a lot of new players on both sides of the ball. There is. Um, you know, so I expect the defense to not have it all together yet. They, when, The more they play with each other, the better they'll get. Um, I mean, your top two wide receivers are new. Both your tight ends are new. Uh, you know, James White's been here, but he's out. Damian Harris has had a year here, but, like, there's still, like, the rest of the running back core is going to be new. The quarterback is new. 
Hmm. So they will play. They will learn to play together. Do I expect them to be a contender? Nope. But they'll get this. Will get this. Will definitely get better. Not wait, next whoa, week. Wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Not whoa, next whoa, week. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Do you, you don't think they'll be a contender? No. Why would I think they'd be a contender? I think they'll be a playoff contender. Not That's a, not what I meant. Not a Super Bowl contender. I, oh, okay, okay. I thought you meant like not even a contender for the playoffs. I was gonna say no, 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 no. This is what I mean by Pats fans. Calm down. They're still gonna be a playoff contender. Maybe for that wild card. This division. But, this division's not as good as as everybody originally thought either. Uh, but. I mean, it's not going to get better next week, though. No, it's not. It's going to be rough next week. And I guarantee you're going to have even more Pats fans jumping off the ship. But everyone, calm down. It's early. We even have a whole extra game this year, too. Yeah. People forget the, about that. For the good and bad after that, that will cause. After that, it's the Texans, the Cowboys, the Jets. I think they could win all three. They get the Cowboys at home. Not in, not in Dallas. The, Cow- the Cowboys have been better than we thought this year, though. I know, but the defense still isn't that good. Still, I, mean, I know that I know they just beat up Philly, but here's, like here's the thing: you couldn't stop Alvin Kamara. <laughs> Dak Prescott can be an Alvin Kamara with okay, how but, elusive he is. Okay, but his his and Dak Prescott can throw better than James Winston can. Yeah, but Sean Payton, Mike McCarthy, I guess. And also not a ton of tape of the Saints offense with Jameis Winston. And by the way, sure. that is what Bill Bill loves, leans on, and runs on that. If you want to get the jump on Bill, I mean, don't have a rookie quarterback because we know what happens there, but have like a new offensive thing. Well, that's why Andy Reid has a lot of success against Bill, especially early in the season. They've done that. If you're, if you're a, a team that's been together for a long time with a ton of offensive tape, that is what Bill leads on so much. And at Saints don't have a ton of games and tape with Jameis Winston, so it's hard to know exactly what everything's going to look like. Yeah, but you didn't see a lot of Alvin Kamara coming? No, I'm sure they did. I'm sure they did. But still, that doesn't mean that the packages and the way that he's used is all going to be the same as it always was. So, yeah. yeah but, uh, we're, we're talking about... We can move on to the box preview, though. No, we so can. We. But, but I just want to throw that last thing in there on that. That's the other thing. Sean Payton... Mike McCarthy. Come on. Sure. Yes, Sean Payton's a better coach than Mike McCarthy. Yeah, so I think that's the... You win, you win against a very good coach. That's the other part of that. And offenses, again. This is why Belichick's worst month of September. Offenses are always ahead of the curve and always way better to start the season than the defenses. So, let's move on to the to the, to the the quick Pats-Bucks preview, guys. Pats fans, still don't want... Don't, don't, don't jump off the ship yet. But get your liquor ready, because this is going to be a very ugly game. Very ugly. Uh, Buccaneers come into this game after losing to the Rams. The defense for them has not been as good, but as I mentioned, defenses are not as good to start the year. And the one part of their team that's the issue defensively is the secondary. I don't know if the Pats are really going to be able to exploit that. And the Pats, uh, the Buccaneers run defense has still been sensational. That's not good news for Mac Jones, who is he's going to have a rough uh, day at the office, I think, on Sunday night, this upcoming week. It'll be interesting what Belichick comes with to try and slow down the Buccaneers offense. Uh, but guys, I, I think this is going to be ugly. I already took the Buccaneers on the, uh, on the spread line at six and a half. So that tells you what I think about this one. But Jesse, give us your preview here of the Bucks and Pats. Oh boy! I mean, yeah, a divorce. We're, we're gonna get 
The divorce. I forgot to say that. You know, the the, the couple, the divorced couple, is uh, yes. meeting in public again for the first time. Yes, and Tom Brady is coming to take his stuff that he left back at home. Uh, but with his new man's. Um, you know. Yeah, you're right. They're coming off a loss. There is, I mean, as much, we haven't heard anything really from Tom Brady himself. He's had mostly just good things to say about the Patriots. Um, him being just a gentlemanly guy mm-hmm. and a, not a controversial figure, generally. I mean, not certainly by his own doing. Um, but he, let's not be, let's be real here. We know Tom Brady has had this game circled on his calendar. We know Tom Brady has been looking forward to this for probably over a year at this point hoping to get them this year and he has and I think there's going to be a lot of throwing and who you can't cover Evans and Antonio Brown and Godwin certainly not with this defense you are not the best defense in the league and no one can really cover them all game um, you know, they just lost, but they it wasn't because the offense wasn't contributing at all. The run game wasn't contributing at all, but the 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 offense was still working for the most part. Mm. Um, your defense totally let you down. Now, I don't think the defense is totally going to let them down next week. Not with a rookie quarterback, not with losing James White, and not with a, a team that but doesn't I, have mean, a number one. You mean one. the Bucks defense? Yes. Yeah. And not against a team, the Patriots, that doesn't have a number one wide receiver. You just don't. And you said that's their biggest weakness. Um, the Bucks defense being their secondary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Mac Jones is not going to exploit them the no. way, say, a Dak Prescott did or um, Matt, Stafford. A Matt Stafford just did. Um, so this is, yeah, this is could be really bad. This is about as bad a matchup, I feel like, as you can have. Maybe. Without 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 just saying one team is terrible and the other team is amazing. Because, like, I mean, listen, the Jets the Jets are at a disadvantage every team they play. Sure. But, like, just matchup-wise, when, like, one team is, you know, really good, but the other one's not incompetent. Um, but just the way these, these rosters align and the way it matches up, it's it's a horrible matchup for the Patriots. Horrible. Yeah. And um, I, I, I see this... Um, Bill's going to have to play a lot of bend but don't break, and then he's going to have to get after Tom a little bit, I think, once they start getting on the uh, Pat side of the field. A lot of pressure up the middle with Tom. because I think that's the only way you keep it close, is you need to go after him. Yeah, I I like doing it through the middle, too, because if you can push the line back into Tom's face, you know, he doesn't like that, and he's not mobile, so he's not going to be getting outside the pocket. And doing anything like that so pressure up the middle and you know I said this I think they're going to try and take away Gronk in the red zone areas Bill always does this he decides what players and what things he just has to take away there's just too many though I know I know but he he wants to make sure that you're not going to beat him with what you always do yeah but it seems it's a different thing every week like you know, week one it was Antonio Brown. Week two it's Mike Evans, and you know, maybe, know. maybe it would be Godwin. Yeah, maybe they'll run all over you. Like I'm still waiting. Like I don't think Ronald Jones is going to be this bad all season. I'm still waiting for him to do better. Leonard Fournette is an elite player. He's going to be fine. He he is fine. Um, but yeah, it's just it's more of a question: How bad is this going to be? You know, if you can get after him though, maybe you can keep this kind of close. If you can keep. If you can get after him enough so he has to throw it before the wide receivers can really release. You know, Brady Brady likes to throw it up sometimes, especially with this Bucks team. He's like, they'll get it. Mm. And that showed a lot in the NFC Championship game last season. Mm. They'll just throw it up there because he believes in them. Maybe a little too much. Mm. Um, so that is... 
kind of feel your only chance. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I do get you there. Uh, Pat's really just going to have to cut down on the turnovers as well. That was a big part of that game against the Saints um, and why it ended up as ugly as it was. Again, Jameis only completed 13 passes. That's all he had to. 13 passes for 128 yards. So <clears throat> Mac, Mac, um, Mac really put him behind the eight ball a lot too. But they got off to a bad start and they were behind from the start. And that's what I mean by Mac's first experience too. Just like, bro, we're behind already. Like, they know you have to throw more. He's about to get one next week, though. He really is. He's about to get another experience next week. So, not a good, not a good matchup at all for the Pats. I'm thinking thirty to fourteen, thirty to seventeen range is what I I see this game going at. Mm. Okay. Do you, have, do you have a score really? Uh, no, I don't really like doing that to be honest. It's I don't, so I don't, hard. I don't love it all the time, but that's why I don't bet over unders. I, mean, I will say this: Bucks at least scoring thirty, and Pat Pat's under twenty. Okay. Oh, there you go. See? I wouldn't be shocked if they didn't hit 30, though. Really? I, Especially I, if they got out to an early lead and then just decided to coast. That's never... Here's the thing. That's not Tom Brady's style, really. <laughs> that's true. And against the his former team, I really is going to be like, Bruce, give it to me. <laughs> I'm going to kill him. Like that scene I'm going to stomp Bill into the ground. That scene in... Um, the Dark Knight on the, the ship and the prisoners give it to me but like the ball just yeah. every every stride give it to me I, I wonder if the Pats can at least make them one dimensional though because they are having problems running the ball actually you know what I take it back they're going to be one dimensional because they're not even going to think about running the ball because Brady's not going to allow it even if they call a run play and he sees like a huge hole hmm, we can dash them up alert alert audible we're audible in. I'm passing it <laughs> They're not going to run the ball. Uh, oh, come on. Tom has self-control. He's never done something like this. <laughs> He's never had an opportunity like this. Uh, he'll, he'll, listen, he rises to the big occasion, so he'll he'll play within the game and within the moment. Mm. They'll do plenty of throwing because they have to, though. The Pats could turn them one-dimensional at least, but they ain't winning this game. Guys, Pats fans, again, get your liquor ready. It's going to be it's gonna be ugly. It's going to be a bloodbath. All right. From that, we are going to take a quick break before we come back with some local news. The Beverly... Beverly Panthers football team had a nice win. And uh, we're, me and Jesse are going to go over our five best and worst teams we think in the NFL right now uh, going into week four. So stay with us. Alright guys, we are back. Went over Pats and Pats and Bucks and last week, so a little more football, some local football right now though. The Beverly Panthers, after a pretty disastrous performance on the road uh, two weeks ago against North Andover in Jeff Hutton's first NEC matchup. 
take down Peavity with an offensive explosion as they take down the Tanners 55 to 35. And, you know, going off what I said to start the show about the Atlanta Braves and being aggressive in sports like that, the Beverly Panthers program was aggressive. They made an aggressive move. And I think we all saw sort of the bad things that were going on. The disadvantages, the problem with the Panthers over the past couple of years is they had no ability to be explosive on offense. They had to have long drives, everything go well, and all it took was one false start, one holding, and you're not scoring points. And this is high school football, so it's, you know, you got to get way closer in order to even get field goals. So that was the problem. And the Panthers, Beverly realized that, and that's why they have made the changes that they have, and... Hutton and his scheme has brought the ability to get explosive plays offensively. Now, they're still not a super modern offense, and they don't throw the ball a ton. But with Pierce Heim, this kid now that they have at quarterback, he does have a big arm. And when they decide to throw, they do have the ability to beat the defense over the top. We saw that in the first game against Haverhill. Um, Going into halftime, they decided to go for it a little bit, and Pierce Heim connected on a long throw to Zach Sparkman. And early on in the first quarter, Heim connected on a deep throw to Smalls as well, a 40-plus yarder, I believe it was. Um, So even when they do throw the ball, they have the ability to push it down the field off the play action. It is a run-first approach, but it's a run-first approach, and the wing tee, with all this misdirection, has the ability to break off big plays, big explosive plays. They've done that time and time and again. They did that multiple times against the Tanners um, last week. Uh, Sullivan was the big guy. He's the explosive guy. And and that's the other thing. As long as there's a, a huge amount of more talent that's on this team as there was last year, Jay Sean is gone. They replaced that sort of his explosive speed element in the offense. They just replaced it with Andre Sullivan, but they're utilizing him way better and way more. And with all the misdirection and stuff, it creates all these lanes and opportunities for these big explosive plays. Sullivan had a 63-yard touchdown run. He had 209 yards. Jordan Irvine, 13 carries for 100 yards. So the element that was missing from Beverly football under Hutton seems like they have found a way um, to fix that, and that is getting explosive offensive plays. Defense leaves a little to be desired right now. It's a work in progress, but great job by Jeff Hutton and a great, great first game in the NEC. A Tanner's team that beat the Panthers last year, and Peabody is a good football team with a quarterback, Shade Lynch, who looked really good as a sophomore, and he's back again this year, and he did his best to bring his Tanners back into it. Um, so there's talent over there on the other side of the football for the Tanners. Um, but a great job by Hutton and a great win. He has Maskonomic next, who did beat Peabody as well. And then after that, at home, the big litmus test, uh, the Danvers. Danvers has uh, been a really good football team this year. So be very interesting just how fast uh, Hutton has this team and where they have Hutton has them here in the NEC down the stretch here. So, But from that... Guys, we will be ranking week, going into week four, our five best and worst teams in the NFL right now. And I know we're not going to agree on this, Jesse, so we'll have plenty of argument. But uh, do, you want me to, uh, do you want me to let you start? Sure, I'll start this time. Yeah, yeah. I'll Almost like we did this before. Oh, yes, yes. By the way, guys, technical difficulties. <laughs> we are actually retaking this entire show. Yep. We went through all of this already, so... It's been it's been a very weird experience. A little bit. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's been it's it's a weird thing where like you know the mistakes you made, but also you're not in the same flow. Yeah. yeah. And also we we already know like what we're going to argue about really. No, that's so true. This, so well, we know that, but we but we know that already because we do go over this show beforehand. Not as much this week though. No. No, we had a crazy week, but anyway. All right, all right five five best teams, right. Jesse. I'll start. All right, five best teams. Uh my I'm going to start with my fifth best team the Baltimore Ravens I think Jim Harbaugh is actually coaching one of the best years of his life right now other than maybe that Super Bowl year uh, I mean Lamar Jackson has looked pretty good even throwing the ball he's certainly improved a bit I you know we'll see how it goes down the line uh, you know the Ravens have surprised me a little bit we had them as maybe falling off a little bit this season but they have looked pretty good Mm, yeah. uh, so that's why they're in my top five. I left the Cleveland Browns out. It was between them and the Cleveland Browns. So, but I left them out. I went with Ravens over Browns. Uh, my fourth. Sorry, getting mixed up here. My fourth, because I have it written on my hand, but it got this is the second show, and it got all wiped away now. The Rams. The the Rams. You also made last minute changes to it too. So I, I did, but that, I'm not even to those changes. The Rams. So you know, a good team, a really good team. You got guys like Aaron Donald. You got guys like Jalen Ramsey. You got a Matt Stafford now instead of Jared Goff. You got a Cooper Cup and a Robert Woods. And after that, I can't really tell you. And that's the problem with the Rams. Really good on the surface. It really falls off. Jalen Ramsey has the potential to take away your number one wideout. But if you have multiple wideouts, that doesn't matter. If you can take away Aaron Donald on the pass rush, he doesn't matter. The pass rush doesn't matter. So that's why I don't have him any higher. Still a really good team. I expect them to compete to certainly make the playoffs. But that's about it. And I also think Sean McVay is a liability. Great offensive mind, not a leader of man. All right, my third best team. The Bill. No, the Chiefs. That's the one I switched. The Chiefs. A one and two start on the season. The Bucks may have showed people this team is vulnerable, and teams are taking advantage of that. Now it's time for the Chiefs to adjust, something they haven't really had to do much in this their Patrick Mahomes time. But they're going to, I expect them to adjust. Andy Reid is a pretty good coach. Not in the two-minute drills, but a pretty good coach. Mm. Um, so he will definitely adjust. He will definitely try something new. Uh, and you have great offensive t- talent to do that. Yeah, I mean, I think their bigger issue is the defense anyway. No, I mean, it definitely is. It's been for years. I mean, you can't invest so much they're, they're money. In your... They're giving up the most amount of points in the NFL right now. Oh, actually, I didn't know that. But, I mean, you can't you can't invest so much in your running back. And mm. I mean, the running back's actually kind of cheap right now. But you're, you're, you are you have the most highest-paid player in the league. You have a high-paid tight end, which is terribly not a hugely expensive position. You have one of the elite wide receivers. So that's a lot of money on your offensive side. So, mm. you know, I expect the defense to be not quite as good. But I still expect them to be... Very much a contender in but, why they're still very much on the list, despite being a sub-500 team right now. By the way, offensively, the one issue they are having is, other than Kelsey and um, Tyreek, they're not getting a ton of production out of anybody else in the passing game. Do you know who they just got? Oh, Josh Gordon. Yeah, I saw that yeah. this morning. Yep, so, Josh Gordon. Uh, well, I mean... I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just... No, that, that, that tells you that they see an issue there, though. Yeah. That has potential, but he also... I mean, he hasn't played in a little while. Yeah. He's older. 
Yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see how that goes. We'll that looks really dark, by the way. I turned my the, the, my phone is dying, so I turned it way down. Okay, that's why. That won't uh, affect the video, though. No. Okay. No, no, no. And the second best team I have. Also, the camera angle is different. I got lazier this time, so that's why the camera angle is a little more awkward than it was earlier. If you see a different video, um, my second best team, the Buffalo Bills. I took a step back after week one. You lost to the Steelers. You lost on a fluke. It's fine. The Bills are going to be fine. They just stomped out what was expected to be one of the best defenses in the NFL. Absolutely had your way with them. Josh Allen is still good. You have your problems with them. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, you know, uh, But, I mean, the Bills, have. I still ex- very much expect them to be a contender. And you have, you, it, the Bills have showed me now. It's only week three, but like after week one, I, you're still you're still my favorite to make the AFC Championship game. One of the favorites to make the AFC Championship game. Mm. But my best team, the team that just lost to my number four team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They will be fine. Everything will be fine. The offense is still good. It's got Tom Brady. It's got elite weapons everywhere. Um, the question is right now is the defense. And the defense started out bad last year. It's bad right now. It'll figure it out. They'll be fine. There's injuries. There's times to get healthy. They'll be fine. Bucks are still the number one team in the NFL. Dom. All right. Well, I'll start my number five. I agree with you. I have the Baltimore Ravens. I think they have some questions on defense. I know they lost the game to the Raiders, but they had cluster injuries at running back. And it was a tough spot since the Raiders were playing their first game in their new stadium with fans in it. Um, I don't really have any problems with Baltimore. Uh, they're exactly where I expect them to be. Um, but I don't have them winning the division. But I didn't have them winning the division at the start of the year either. I have my own personal issues with Lamar, but I might need to get over those. Um, number four, I have the Cleveland Browns. The only loss Ooh. is to the Chiefs. They have maybe the best offensive line in football. They have maybe the best running game in football. They certainly have the best one-two punch at running back with Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. They can shorten the game. They can take your elite offense and make them watch the game on the sidelines. The defense leaves some things to be desired, but it will get better. They have seven new starters on the defensive side, so it's going to take a long time for all those guys to get comfortable, get meshed into the new system. They have Miles Garrett, and an elite pass rusher to put pressure on the opposing quarterback. They have everything that you want. The Landry injury, uh, the Jarvis Landry injury does concern me a little bit because he takes away some of the consistency in the passing game. But with OBJ back, you have that over-the-top threat in the passing game once again to blow the top off a of defense. And that means you can't bring up that many safeties in the box even when the Browns are pounding the football. Because you got OBJ to beat the team over the top. They have everything you want. I have my issues with Baker Mayfield, though. But straight roster-wise, I think they're one of the best rosters in the NFL. Number three, I have the Kansas City Chiefs. I debated on even putting them below the Browns. I just couldn't do it, especially since the Chiefs did win that game. KC's got a lot of problems right now, though, especially on the defensive side. Um, They are worst in all of football right now to start the season in points allowed. They can't stop anyone. They especially can't stop anybody running the ball, which is a huge issue because that means teams are able to keep Patrick Mahomes and that elite offense on the sideline. Everybody knows in football, that's how, I mean, not the only way. But one of the biggest ways to beat a great offensive team is you want to control the the ball. You want to control the time of possession and keep them watching the game on the sideline. So Casey has a big issue there right now. Tampa Bay Bucks I have at two. I mean, 
not that different from me and you. I mean, all the reasons. I do worry about their run game right now, though. They're not running the ball very well. So I'm worried if they're going to get a little one-dimensional, but there's elite weapons all over this team. Um, the defense is bad in the secondary right now. They have some injuries, though, and it could get better. As I said, offensive teams, offenses are always ahead of the defenses anyway to start the season. So, And number one, the best team in football right now. And that's the thing with this list. It doesn't mean that I think they'll be the best team all year. But right now, I don't even think it's that close. It's the Los Angeles Rams. They shellacked Chicago. They pretty much handled the Buccaneers in that last game, beat them by 10. That's a lot to win by in the NFL. Uh, There's not a single unit or side of the ball that I don't think that they're at least above average at. They don't have elite elite receiving weapons, but they have weapons in Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. Um, The run game is still all about the Sean McVay scheme, and he can make a running back. They don't have the depth at the running back, and that will hurt them eventually. But Matt Stafford, man, for the longest time, it was Sean McVay babysitting Jared Goff, managing Jared Goff, needing to make sure everything was perfect for Jared Goff. And now he has a quarterback who can run every play in his playbook run and make any throw in the playbook. So it is so great that Sean McVay does not have to babysit the quarterback anymore and that's the biggest reason even why they're the best team in the NFL right now the problem with the Rams is when you have all these stars and you're paying them a lot of money and you're paying Jared Goff's salary even though he's on a different team they don't have the depth and that's always an issue as the season goes on and you have injuries so all that takes is like one or two injuries and this is a different football team because they still don't have the depth and that's why they may not be at that top spot um, come somewhere near the end of the season but right now neutral field i take the rams over anybody in the nfl i think they're the best team mm, see that's that's why i don't like this i mean i it's just, the segment is fine but like i don't like your argument of like, oh right now they're the best team by that same logic right now the broncos are one of the best teams no because the you Panthers watch the games the yes and i see this the actual cracks that aren't quite showing yet in the the Rams, yes, they are one of the better teams in the NFL. Okay, but 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 right now, just the Rams roster, what it is today, week four. No, because it's they're falls about off to play. so hard. Yeah, it falls off later. But long as everyone's healthy, as they are right now, no, you're playing on a neutral field. No, they're better than everybody else in the NFL. No, no, like I said, if you have, they can be totally healthy right now, and if you have. If you can stop Aaron Donald, if you have more wide receivers. But it takes two people to stop Don, uh, Aaron Donald. Okay. Which means you're isolated all the other time on the pass rushers. And the, it also means there's one less guy the Patriots, to pick up the, the blitz packages. The Patriots did it just fine in the play, in the Super Bowl. And they didn't score that many points. That's because the wide receivers were awful. I'm just saying. It's it's not. It, listen, Aaron Donald was a non-factor. in the, the pass rush was a non-factor in that Super Bowl. They stopped them running the ball, though. Oh my God! Sony Michelle couldn't run the ball. I've never heard that. Um, but like, you have like Jalen Ramsey's your guy. If you can have more wide receivers, listen. The Buccaneers couldn't run the ball, but they passed just fine. Yeah. Because like Jalen Ramsey can't cover everybody. If you have multiple wide receivers, they you will throw all day on that defense. If you can stop Aaron Donald. You will have time to throw all day on that defense. And, like, 
All right, even uh, Cooper Cup and um, Robert Woods. I think Matt Stafford elevates them, but they are themselves not elite wide receivers. If you can take them away, whatever. Your run game, Daryl Henderson's pretty good. He's not great. Hmm. And he was injured last week. He was injured last week, and it still worked, actually. I'll give you that. But That's the Sean McVay scheme. Yeah, and I said Sean McVay's running back. He's got a mind. He's got a mind for offense. He sees that stuff. But he doesn't – he's not he – You does, just don't think he's an elite head coach. No, and because he, he doesn't have the defensive mind, which, like, you know, Bill's a defensive guy. He's not really an offensive guy. But he can still lead an entire team. <laughs> Sean McVay, I mean, I kind of feel he doesn't, doesn't do that. He I feel like he loses them at times. Okay. When things start to go bad, things start to go bad. And, like, that's why I just can't put them up there. Because, like, by this logic of right now, I have seen nothing but good things from the Broncos. But I know there's huge cracks in the Broncos. I've seen nothing but good things from Carolina. But I know there's cracks in Carolina. Yeah, but but the difference is with the Broncos and stuff. They haven't played the teams that the Rams have. You just beat the Super Bowl contender. Okay. You just beat the, the reigning Super Bowl champion by 10. Yeah. 10 points in the NFL. It's a lot of points. They Nine. handled them. They beat them up. They were 10 of 15 on third down. They beat them in every facet of the game. Handled them. You think that'll happen in the playoffs? Well, no, because nobody plays perfect again like that. Do I think the Rams could beat them in the playoffs, though? Yes. Yeah, and like the defense, the Buccaneers defense, it's not good right now. I very much expected to get it better. I very much, I expected to improve tenfold. Yeah. It'll be so much better. So I, <clears throat> the Bucks are definitely a better team than the Rams. Okay. Right now. Okay. I think you're nuts. The last one I want to talk to you about, though. Ravens, but not the Browns. Yeah. Why not the Browns? Well, one of those games that the Browns... I think the Browns will be... I mean, they'll definitely be in the playoffs. You think they'll win the division. We will see. I mean, that it, it's going to be Ravens or Browns. Hmm. Yes. It's not going to be the Steelers. <laughs> and I, I just personally think right now I've seen more from the Ravens than I thought I was going to see. So that has me high on the Ravens. And the Browns, you you played a good game against the Chiefs, you, you, but you browned it. You browned it. You had opportunity to win, to put it away. You didn't. You browned it. Um, and all right, you just had a dominant win <laughs> against the worst performance I have ever personally maybe seen in my life. Like of the Bears, yes. All the Ravens struggled with the Lions. The Lions are better than we thought. They are. They are. They're, um, they're one of the better one three teams, actually. They play a really tough schedule. Uh, yeah. Um, and so, and I mean, the Ravens are one of those teams that beat the Chiefs. Yeah, they did. The Browns didn't do that. Nope, they didn't. Um, I want to see them head to get head because I, if it wasn't the Ravens, it was going to be the Browns. Um, on my list. Mm-hmm. But I, I just, I still have, there's still the Browns to me. There's still a little bit of Browns. And, yeah, Baker Mayfield is a lot to be desired. Um, I don't know how long Landry's going to be out. I'm not, too cons- I'm not too concerned about that because they got OBJ back. Um, and the running game is still dominant. I mean, it was, it's been chubbed for two weeks, and then it was all Kareem Hunt. Mm. Um, but, like, your, your defense is not going to do that yeah. again. Probably he, ever. Here's my two reasons why I think the Browns are better. I think the Browns have far superior weapons in the passing game. So they can blow the top off a defense in the passing game and the running game because they have explosive guys out of the backfield. I don't really think the Ravens can do that. 
Um, the second thing is I think the Browns have a far better D-line and pass rush than the Ravens do. I don't really think the Ravens' defense makes opposing quarterbacks very uncomfortable. And I think that's a problem. Yeah, I mean... I mean, no, I will give most you. Teams, I will give you that Lamar is a far superior quarterback though than Baker Mayfield. Oh, far superior. Yeah, he is. Okay. Far do, I, do I have my problems that in playoff time, crunch time, do I wonder if Lamar can sit back in a pocket and dice up a defense and win a game? Yes. But if you want to talk about for the whole amount of game, Lamar is an elite playmaker who makes things happen on his own and makes explosive things happen. Baker Mayfield is a game manager. Okay. Yeah. Um, Are you, do you not agree? I mean, I'll take Lamar over Baker. But would I? Would it be huge? I, personally, I don't think so. Okay. Um, and like you say, like, oh, the pass rush is so much better. Most teams don't have a Miles Garrett. No. And... Like, you know, we I, I we we expect this defense to be better. There's, there's some turnover. There's new players here. They'll they'll learn to gel together. Same way we talked about other Patriots. They will learn to gel together. There's a lot of turnover here. Um, but I, I I don't know, man. I just can't. The Browns still okay. And also, I mean, I know it's hard. Jim Listen. Harbaugh is definitely a better coach than Kevin Stefanski. Yes. Yeah, but I think Kevin Stefanski is a very good coach. I don't think he's bad. I I picked him. I put him better than Sean McVay, and you did, you did. But I mean, when I when I think of coaches in the NFL of the upper echelon, Jim Harbaugh is definitely up there. Oh, he is. He's definitely up there. all right. All right. All right. So now five worst. I'll start it just because I'm talking already. I have <laughs> the Houston Texans, the Atlanta Falcons. As bad as the Falcons look, week one, they just beat the Giants in New York. So I got the Giants third because oh my gosh, they are awful. I might even have put them second, but I won't. Jacksonville is the second worst team and far and away the worst team in the NFL right now. And I didn't expect them to be the worst team. I thought they'd be bad. I didn't think they'd be this bad. The New York Jets are terrible. Oh, my gosh. They're as putrid as ever. Who's worse, Jets now or Jaguars last year? I think the Jets are worse now. They're going to – listen – I said Zach Wilson has no chance when he got drafted, but I didn't think they'd murder Zach Wilson in the very first season. He got sacked another five times. They are going to kill this poor man. And this is not a joke. I'm actually being serious, 100%. I don't think Zach Wilson makes it through this season. He's going to get injured at some point. He's going to get Joe Burrowed. I mean, if you're getting sacked that much, it's... They are killing this poor kid. They can't run the ball. They have no elite weapons on the outside. Corey Davis is a very good number two who's kind of big and a nice big target, but he's not explosive. He doesn't get a ton of separation. No tight end. They can't run the ball. The defense and the secondary is not very good. I do like their D-line, but that's about the only unit that's even good. Everything else is awful. Just terrible. One of the worst old lines in football. The offensive scheming looks bad. They're terrible. They're far and away the worst team I've seen. Yeah, I mean we have we have very similar top ten worst lists. Top five, yeah. Uh, oh yeah, t- top ten. Yeah. Um, God, my only difference is the number five. Yeah. Because uh, like yeah, I mean the New York Jets are awful. 
the Jaguars are still really bad, but there is... Boy, it really sucks for New York, huh? You guys, the New York City area, you guys have no uh, football teams to really root for, huh? I actually, I didn't even notice the, the first time we did this show, both New York teams, I mean, other than Buffalo, but we don't consider them really New York teams. Yeah, it's, New York, it's not New York City. Both are in the top five. Both are in the top three. Yeah, for they're us. Hard. They're terrible. Um, really sucks in New York, huh? Yeah, and my, <laughs> my difference is... The Matt Nagy Bear, the Matt Nagy Bears are number five as opposed to the Texans because the Texans have actually showed me a little bit. I think Tyrod Taylor looked good. Yeah, he's been injured, or he was injured last week, and we'll see how long that goes. Uh, but they have, they've done some things. They they have not looked nearly as bad as I thought they would, and they're not far from my top five list, but they're not on the list because the Bears had one of the worst performances I've ever seen in my life. Justin Fields has one total yard of offense. I think he threw for sixty-eight. And he got sacked nine times for 67. They had a total of 45 yards of offense. Your number one wide receiver had one catch for like nine yards, I think it was. Six total completions. That was terrible. And it wasn't like, you, you know, your Browns are in your top five. But that wasn't against even the best team in the NFL. Yeah. No, it was bad. I've had, I, listen, I agree with you. I think Chicago far and away has had the worst performance I've seen in a game in the NFL. Green Bay but probably second. And it's not nearly been that bad, but it has not looked good in either of the other two games I have seen at all. Yeah, but they beat Cincy. But and, Cincy Cincy. Just beat, and Cincy just beat the Steelers. Cincy's just Listen, outside of my Chicago's not a good team. I don't think they're one of the five worst teams, though. I, I will say this. There is a considerable gap between my number four team, the Falcons, and my number five team, the Texans. I think Houston is, is my much better team than the Falcons. And there is not so on I, my top five. So I'm giving the I'm giving the Texans some credit, but the Chicago Bears beat Cincy. There's way more talent on the Chicago defense than there is in anybody else in that top five that we mentioned. That includes the Texans. Um, they they still stifled Joe Burrow in the Cincy offense and got after All Joe right. Burrow. That's not hard if you just go after him. Yeah, but I don't think those other teams have the ability to do that. Chicago does. Chicago, and I want I I I'm going to take an L on this. I mean, I, I did say don't have him play against Cleveland as his first game. They'll have him play against Cincinnati. But it looks like Justin Fields isn't ready. No. And maybe it'll get better when they're not facing a really good team and he has more first-team reps, which he has not. That's the other thing. Justin Fields has had almost no first-team snaps because they at no point said anything that other than Andy Dalton is the starter. They weren't sharing reps. It's all been second-team for Justin Fields. So it was a tough spot for Justin, but that was terrible, and he looks like he's not ready. And I want to give Matt Nagy some credit. Yeah. Come on, come on. No, yes. You know what I mean? I said in the first show, yes, I will give him that. <laughs> because no matter what everybody said, no matter how good Fields looked in the preseason, all the pressure on him from the media, he said, no, 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 Just, Justin's, Justin's not that yet. He's, he ain't ready. So no matter all the hate that I get and everyone calling for my head and my job, I'm going to keep playing Andy Dalton. And then I got taken out of his hands by injury. Hmm. I mean, and honestly, I don't think Matt Nagy is the reason they are in my top five. He's one of them. I don't think he's managed the game quite as well as he could have. But at the same time, what he has to work with is... Garbage. Not good. It's garbage. Sure. It's garbage. It's complete garbage. But I still don't think they're the worst team. I think it'll get better. No, I so didn't I'd, say they're I, the worst team. I said they're the fifth well, no, worst no, team. I don't think they're the fifth worst team either, though, because I think it will get better, and, they, and they'll play better. Um, I think it was just a tough spot, and, and it was a very ugly performance. But 
Poor Matt Nagy is going to get the axe for something that is not his job. I don't understand how the Chicago Bears are not paying their quarterback, and yet they're up against the cap. They pay Khalil Mack way too much money. They have no draft picks and no cap space. That's that's a doomsday sentence in the NFL. And I don't understand how that is. I know they're still paying Nick Foles. They paid Khalil Mack way too much that's, money. That's a lot of it. But teams are still able to manipulate the cap and, when you're paying and do it, things that, like, the Rams are paying Jared Goff a ton of money still, and yet they still can have Matt Stafford in. So there are front offices that know how to maneuver the money. Not all accountants are made the same. There's something to maneuvering money. This Bears team, this front office, can't maneuver money. Sure. There's no reason they should be up against the cap. And that's why they're in my top five. Yeah, they're, they're bad. All right. That has been it then for that one. We, we are going to move on. Actually, we're going to take a quick break once again. And we are going to get into talking about Urban Meyer, something we have noticed going on with Meyer in the media. And then we'll finish it up with our weekly Tommy Report and Darwin Award, as always. Stick with us, guys. Back, everybody. Slow your roll. Dominic Lorenzano alongside writer for the Yaki Way Report, Jesse Caulfield, as always. We're getting ready to finish things up here in just a few, but we're going to talk about something we wanted to talk about last week, but we couldn't get to it. Something we've noticed going on in the media. Mm. Pretty crazy. Mm. I don't understand it. No. There are some, we have some theories, but uh, there's a particular narrative, and I'd say target on Urban Meyer right now down there in Jacksonville, and I don't quite understand it. So we're going to get into this more. Jesse, I'm going to let you get us started. Take it away on Urban Meyer in Jacksonville. Thank you, Dominic. Well, this is something uh, we both, this was actually scheduled to be in last week's show, um, something we both kind of just noticed going on. I mean, you know, going into the season, I mean, the Jaguars were the worst team in football last year. It was pretty obvious. Um, but going into the season, you know, no one could make this team good. And then they chose Urban Meyer, which, I mean, I don't think he would be the best NFL coach, just even if he had the best team on the field. His strong point in college was always recruitment, finding those really good players to um, to put on the field and creating a really good culture. Uh, but it was never quite leading them on game day. So I was never quite up on the move that the Jaguars had. But I don't hate this man that the media seems to absolutely despise. And, like, we just don't get it. What is it? Is it 
just his lifestyle is it who he is as a person he seems like a very nice guy never been a controversial figure he just wins maybe that's it does he just win do they want to see a winner fall because he was i mean he won with he's college football royalty yeah he i think i saw a sad he won multiple national championships yeah i think he was two different at two different programs too yeah i mean he was I mean, he was beloved in Florida. Mm. And he, I mean, I haven't heard anything about the Florida program since he left. So it seems like it was a lot of him. Uh, he had huge success at Ohio State. I think I saw a stat he won 93 games, only lost nine mm-hmm. in his entire time there. That's bananas. And by the way, Ryan Day, who took over, coasted on that success for a while. And now it looks like maybe some cracks are forming now, four years later. Mm. Well, I mean, but like, is that the reason people hate him? Because he was so successful in college? Do they want to just see a winner lose? I mean, I thought maybe could it be, I mean, he's a Christian guy. He's openly Christian, very religious. For some reason, the media hates those people. They crapped all over Tim Tebow for the same reason. Um, And, I mean, although Tim Tebow was not really an NFL quarterback, so I'll give him those criticisms, but it always seemed to come back to his religion for whatever reason. And a lot of times I'll see that with Urban Meyer. People have said he can't lead because of his religion. Or say he's a religious man. I mean, you'd be surprised how many NFL players are religious, despite their lifestyles. Maybe you'd be surprised. You're, I mean, after every game, you'll always see like the prayer circles between the two teams. It yeah. almost always happens. So clearly, it's not that. Clearly, that's not the problem in the locker room. That and there's certainly no reason to hate him. But people are constantly saying he's being, he's yelling all the time. He's super angry. No one is li- wants to listen to him. That's a losing culture. Of course, people don't want to listen to them. They're losers. Um, but I don't. I just. I don't get it. What is it about this man? And is yes, he's losing. It's not going well for him there. But no one was going to have it go well for him there. It was never going to go well this season there in terms of win loss. No, it's a program that you are literally ripping apart to the studs and rebuilding. Yeah, and that's what that franchise is. And I. It's just. It's kind of bizarre how. I mean, you know, how many new. Uh, coaches have taken over bad teams this year. There's a new coach for the Jets. I've heard nothing about the new coach for the Jets. Why are we not trashing him? It's going worse for the Jets than it is the Jaguars. Why are we not trashing the new Jets head coach? No. We're trashing Urban Meyer. Every day. Day in and out. It's always something stupid and new, too. I can't wait for what it's going to be next week. Is it like, he? oh, he butters both sides of his toast? Like, what an animal. What an absolute dirtbag. He eats toast like that? Disgusting. Ugh. But it's just like, it's just constant rumor. This man wants to leave. He hates it here. He's just, he can't take. He's going to bail. Yeah, he's a real loser because the second he's got to lose, he's just going to bail. And that's what a real loser is. I mean, he's come out and said, no, I don't want the USC job. I want to build a winning team here. And you know what? I want him to, too. I don't even like the Jaguars. But now I want him to simply because he gets so much hate. I never really thought about this man. I don't like college football. I don't care about this man at all now suddenly i have to care about this man because media hates him so much and i don't know why 
I don't know. Like, uh, what, what was the bar stool? The bar stool oh, thing it, they said. Yeah, there was an article because um, someone else, <laughs> some one of the major magazines, I don't remember which one. I think it was Newsweek. Did a uh, just a, pee, a piece on him about his like him just as a person. They went into his home. They interviewed him and his wife, and like some pictures came out from that where he's just got he's got pictures all over his wall and all just everywhere. And Barstool crapped all over him for it. Like, what a freak. What a, like, what a psychopath. He's got pictures everywhere. Maybe the man loves his family. You should try it. Have you ever considered that one? Maybe he's just a family man. Okay? Like, why? It's literally everything he does is just... It gets a reaction. It's crazy. And, like, ah. Oh. The media is weird. The media is... They would just decide people to coddle and, and protect Aaron Rodgers, Cam Newton. And there are just some people that they'll just put a target on their back right away. And it seems like they have put a target on Urban Meyer's back. Uh, 100%. They do not like Urban Meyer at all. It's been clear to anyone who knows how these patterns work. There is a target on this man's back and the media wants to take him down. I think it's because he came into the NFL as college football royalty is so successful. Nobody cares about Matt Rule. Nobody cares about any other college coach who comes here and takes over. But because he was on the pedestal of elite, they love to try and tear that down. So I think that's the first thing. I think the Christianity thing is the other thing. That's a big part of this as well. And I want to get to the to the actual things, though, that they, a lot of the actual things that they put out that at least seem credible. But I'm going to explain why I find them ridiculous. He should be pissing people off in that locker room. It is a losing team, a losing culture. This happens all the time when regime change takes over at places that aren't doing well. This happens in business all the time, and it happens all the time in sports. When you have a bad product, a bad culture, a losing culture, so many other things come with that. Bad habits bad attitudes, not caring. And people get settled into that routine. And when somebody comes in and changes all of that and says, the way you're doing things is no longer acceptable, it makes them angry. They get mad and annoyed about it. Happens all the time. Happens at every professional sports team that gets turned around, every college program. And you want that to happen because those are the guys in the locker room that you know you need to get rid of. He is trying to change a losing culture and bring it up. He is going to tick people off. That's the way this stuff works. Just because he's ticking off some malcontents in the locker room does not mean he can't be an NFL coach or it doesn't mean that every single player in there hates him. But this happens every time. It's natural. So... The one credible thing that the media always gets on him about, I think, has a very simple explanation as well. So I, I, I think it's crazy that the media hates him so much. And it seems very, very obvious that it's a clear, clear hatchet job um, that they are doing to this man right now. And I don't know if it's going to work. I have no idea. There's a history of college coaches, especially super successful ones, not working in the NFL, especially since he has no real NFL DNA either. He never showed much interest in it until recently. So I don't know if it's going to work. I have no idea. But it's ridiculous that they're getting on him this fast. But I'm willing to give him a chance, John. Yeah. For a team that had one win last year, what they were magically going to be good this year, it's ridiculous. Absolutely absurd. And so. Trevor Lawrence wasn't going to save him either. No. No, he's a rookie quarterback with not much to work with. They have Shark on the outside, 
a bad O-line, a bad D-line. They tore up that entire defense over the last three years in order to get picks. Their running back got hurt. Travis Etienne broke his foot. There's not a lot to work with there. So, yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who Bill Belichick was going to lose all his games in this team, too. They're not a good team. So, and that's the way it always works when you're tearing an organization or a program down to the studs. It's always ugly to start with. It'll get better. Again, will Urban work? I don't know. But the media is being very unfair with him right now. It's crazy. All right. So we're just getting ready to wrap things up, guys. We're going to give our weekly Tommy report, as always. So, Jesse, take it away on the weekly Tommy report. Oh, yeah. Everyone is clamoring to wonder what Tom Brady is doing this week. Uh, or most well, of the or up- did do. <laughs> yeah, uh, most of the updates are just football games at this point, so you know what he did. Uh, but, hey, he took an L to the L.A. Rams, the, four- the fourth best team in the NFL. He lost 34-24. to 24. He threw 55 times for 432 yards. I mean, that's a lot of yards. That's If you told me your stats, 432 uh, yards, I'd be like, oh, he won. No, 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 because he also led the team with rushing. Three <laughs> carries, 14 yards. So if you're he's, if Tom Brady's your leading rusher, it's not a good thing. So that, that wasn't a quite a good week for Tom, but he's got the Patriots next week. He's coming home to trounce us. So that has been your weekly Tom Brady update. He gets to have a nice parade around uh, New England probably very soon. He yeah. gets to go rub it in the ex's face. Mm. But uh, a little bit of news coming out of his camp, though. Oh. Alex Guerrero throwing firebombs at Bill Belichick. We've done two shows, forgot that both times. Yeah. Uh, yes, he came out and said, I don't have the exact quote in front of me. He says, but you, can't, you cannot treat a 40-year-old quarterback like a 20-year-old quarterback. He said that to Bill Belichick. Um, another one from his game. His dad trashed the Patriots. Now his trainer is trashing the Patriots. Oh, his dad did? Recently? Yeah, within like uh, the, like the last month. I mean, he also, like, he did last year, too. He's done it a couple times. Yeah, he's done it a couple of times. Um, I'm waiting for his wife next because I don't really expect it from Brady. No, Tom won't do that. But his camp, his camp is doing a lot of talking. I wonder. I'm wondering if anything's going to leap at leak out of the Pats, uh, the Pats room. I don't think so. Well, when things leak out of New England, they don't leak out as far as like guys making quotes. They leak out as far as like stories that have been written by reporters. That's how the Pats leak stuff. Yeah, but I don't, I don't even know what the, what could leak. I don't. I, I mean, don't know. I don't know either. I'm Robert just... Kraft's not going to talk smack. <laughs> Bill is never one to talk smack. He will be petty in different ways. That's why part but, of the reason I think they're just going to blitz, blitz, Bill's blitz. lackeys in that organization are the ones who might do that. I think they're the ones who did that with the Garoppolo trade thing. Remember uh, when that story came out? Yeah, but I mean, what is what, nothing used to leak out of New England unless they wanted it to. What could be said? I don't know. I don't know. Just talking about maybe. A, how they could talk about maybe how he was out of it his last year in New England. Maybe. Like he didn't care or something. Maybe. Or his bad attitude. I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what could leak. I'm just I'm very interested if something could. But oh man, it's gonna be an interesting uh reunion. It uh, Yeah. <laughs> both in Gillette I, Stadium. I think both Bill and Tom have had next week circled on their calendar for a little oh, while. I think they have too. Alright. So anyway, that has been the Weekly Tommy Report. We are getting ready to finish this up. Darwin Award. Let's go. Drum roll, please. This week's Darwin Award winner is the Washington football team. What the football team? The Washington football team because you 
won the division last year. Division still shouldn't have been that good. It's almost like you were gifted it. But almost the theme to this show, I said it with the Beverly thing, what they did do and what the Atlanta Braves did is what the Washington football team did not do. They did not take aggressive, decisive action. Of all the quarterbacks on the market, of all the teams, everything made the most sense to me for the Washington football team. And that includes the Matt Stafford one because they should have had better draft picks and more cap space and more things to offer the, uh, the Detroit Lions. But they didn't go after it aggressively enough and they let the Rams take them despite the fact that the Rams had to eat a bunch of salary and give up Jared Goff. And so Washington passed on Matt Stafford and they passed on Teddy Bridgewater and then they passed on Sam Darnold as well. And they passed on Tyrod Taylor. Though I will say I don't you like Tyrod. I don't know if there's a huge difference between Tyrod and Fitzpatrick, but I think the big thing is they should have been the ones to go get Stafford and it should have they should have done it at all costs. But they didn't. They wanted to take the safe approach. They wanted to go with Ryan Fitzpatrick and just say, well, we did it with subpar quarterback play last year. We can do it again this year. Wrong. That is the wrong way to think in sports. Especially when your division's on a silver platter. That is the time to aggressively get better. And they didn't do it. And they said, Ryan Fitzpatrick is good enough. And it's not good enough. Ryan, Fitzpat- Ryan Fitzpatrick is never good enough. Ryan if you're Fitzpatrick looking. is never good enough. And the other thing with Fitzpatrick is he's good when you're a bad team and maybe you want to be respectable and get a few more wins because he can win a game or two on his own. But he can also lose you two or three games on his own too. He is not the quarterback there. If it wasn't going to be Stafford, I thought Teddy Bridgewater made the most sense. Yeah, I mean... Tyrod Taylor could have been fine. He, he could have. He, he, he led a Bills team to the playoff. You know? He did. He did lead um, a Bills team to a playoff. But, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm not quite as hard about you as a be, be aggressive. I think there's a time and a place to be aggressive. I'm more of... Well, I think there is, too. Obviously, it has to make sense. And you know what definitely makes sense to be aggressive? When you just won your division and you're looking to take the next step to really become a contender. Yeah. This is this was yeah. definitely the offseason to be aggressive even if it was only aggressive in one spot in your lineup, yes, your quarterback, the most important position. Because, like, I at no point if if you are ever signing Ryan Fitzpatrick, you are saying we're mid tier at best. Thank you. And like, I don't think Teddy Bridgewater makes you contender. I don't think Tyra Taylor makes you contender. They're really good. I mean, they're pretty good. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa! Are you sure Bridgewater doesn't make you a contender? Um, they look pretty good in Denver right now. Against the Jets. True. Against, did they play the Jags? Yeah, they did. Yeah, against teams like that. Um, I don't think he makes you a Super like, Bowl contender. And, and listen, I don't want to crap on Tyrod Taylor. Or, excuse me, uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Um, I, I think, like him. I, I really think, do. I think Bridgewater would have been significantly better oh, than Fitzpatrick no. and obviously Heineke. It would have. I don't think they quite make you a contender. But if you sign a Tyrod Taylor or a Teddy Bridgewater, you're saying we are definitely trying to improve this position. Mm-hmm. I don't care about Ryan Fitzpatrick. You're right. He can he can win. He can you know have some of that Fitz magic and win some uh, games for a bad team. But no, he's not a good quarterback. He's not. No. And how is he any better than the like five quarterbacks you put out last season? I don't. I don't think there's a huge difference between Heineke and Fitzpatrick. Who else did they have last year? It was a Alex it was Smith. A revolving door. 
Um, oh. Haskins. I feel like Alex Smith would have been better. Heineke, Kyle Allen. Yeah, I mean, is Fitzpatrick? Fitzpatrick is worse than Smith. I, I, realize, I agree. I realize you weren't going to bring back Smith. You retired. Mm-hmm. But, like, you took a step back. No, they did. I like what you said, too. When you're signing Ryan Fitzpatrick, what you're saying is you're mid-tier. At best. At best. And that's not the way to go into that. Usually when you sign Fitzpatrick, it's saying, like, well, we ain't got nothing back here, and we're going to suck, and we need someone to throw the ball. Yeah. We, we, we don't want to look incompetent. We don't want to look like the Jets do right now. Yeah. Or what the Jags looked like last year. So, yeah. And just not being aggressive enough at the time that it should have been. That was the time to was, be no, aggressive. That was absolutely the time. Yeah. Because you are, you were the best team. I mean, it was close in the end, but I think you were clearly the best team in that division last year, mm-hmm. uh, just based on how good your defense was. Mm-hmm. And you, you needed to improve the offense, and you didn't really care to. And you have weapons. You have a good backfield. You have McLaurin. Um, who, who did they bring in? Curtis Samuel. Yeah, and he's, who, he's and pretty good. Yeah, I mean, in, in Washington's defense, that signing hasn't worked out only because Samuel is hurt, but not good enough. But it doesn't matter because no one's throwing them the ball. Just not good enough, Washington. And I know Fitzpatrick got hurt, so their argument is going to be, well, he got hurt. So, listen. He could be healthy. Big, what? He could be healthy. You're not winning anything with him. No, exactly. And Ryan's also older, so, like, you should have realized that was going to happen, too. So, I, what it really comes down to is they were the perfect one for Stafford, in my opinion. And they should have, at all costs, bring in that Stafford. That's how I feel about that. But even if they weren't, go get Bridgewater. Or go get Sam Darnold. Because Sam Darnold is a much better talent than Fitzpatrick. I, I don't blame way them. more upside. I don't blame them for the Darnold as much, because I think a lot of teams stayed away from him because they thought the Jets ruined him beyond repair. I, I guess. I guess. I think it would have made perfect sense in Washington, though. But but they didn't do it. And they went with Ryan Fitzpatrick. And that's why they are where they are right now. And they knew Dallas was at least going to get better because Dak was back. But, yeah. Darwin Award, 100%, the Washington football team. What a waste, in my opinion. Real waste of what was should have been a perfect situation for you to win the division and take the next step. But they weren't aggressive enough. So, Darwin Award winner, Washington, what the football team. Mm. And that has been it for Slow Your Roll, guys. We have a Facebook and Instagram page now. Slow Your Roll for both of those. We put out content on those. And also get in touch with, uh, you know, message us on either one of those if you ever want to come on the show or any segment or questions you want covered on an episode. We would love to hear from you guys. Thank you very much. Have a great rest of your week. Bye.